Chad. You should have been in my house last night. Uh, but it gets bigger, better, and brighter from here on out. Well, for six more months, right? Like, but it's great. I got lots of applause on that last... Anyway, it's okay. Drink some more coffee. Don't worry, I'll just talk for a while. <laughs> um, my name is Chad Bryson, by the way. If you don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here on staff. I'm the pastor who likes to sit while I preach. So um, you can sit and relax too. And uh, we're going to talk about something pretty cool this morning. Um, I think it's cool. Uh, we started a Christmas series uh, three weeks ago, four weeks ago now, and Pastor Scott um, has been talking about the thrill of hope. That's been the title of our, our series, and that was the first week's topic, if you will. And we've been robbing songs uh, from O Holy Night. So there's a thrill of hope, and then the second week, Pastor Scott talked about um, A Weary World Rejoices. Uh, and then last week was Oppression Shall Cease, which have been great topics. And then this morning, the best one yet. I'm just teasing. Um, I'm so humble. Uh, his gospel is peace. We're going to talk about peace this morning. And this is the perfect time of year to talk about peace because everybody's busy. Everybody's doing something. It's just busy, busy, busy with the holiday season and getting your last minute shopping and preparing the house and cooking the food and all that kind of stuff. And so... Hopefully this is a very timely message for you, and um, we're going to start with Zechariah's prophecy in Luke chapter 1. This is where uh, John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, he worked in the temple, and this was his designated time to go into the temple, and God comes uh, to him and says, your wife is going to have a baby, I, I want you to name him John, and, um, and, and he'll, he'll prepare the way of the Lord, which we'll find out here in just a minute. And he goes, but how is that... He replies to the Lord, he says, how is that possible? My wife's, you know, on in years. And because he said that, the Lord said, oh, you don't believe me, but it's going to happen. But since you said this, that you don't believe me, uh, I'm going to seal up your mouth and you won't be able to speak until uh, the baby is born. And so that's what happens. And so uh, when the baby is born, that day his mouth is open and he prophesies this in Luke uh, chapter 1, uh, verse 67, it says, Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the, uh, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who, all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. And you, my child, will be called, speaking of John the Baptist, you will be called a prophet of the Most High for you will go before the Lord and prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of, their tender, because of the tender mercy of our God. Uh, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Let's pray. Jesus, that's all we can ask for this morning. Lord, that's, that's, what, we, that's what we want, Lord. And, I, uh, and Lord, we know um, that that's what you do. And so, Lord, we just received that this morning, I pray, uh, for every person here. Lord, we don't want just a general word about how good you are, Lord, and all that. We can expect that our Father will speak to us this morning, individually, uniquely, specifically. Uh, Lord, there are things in this room that we need to hear, 
as, as your children, as individuals. And I, I believe, I expect that that's what you're, exactly what you're going to do this morning. We want to we wanna leave a little different uh, than when we walked in this morning. We believe, we believe that this morning. We thank you for all that you're doing. And we thank you for that you're true to your word, Lord. And we just pray these things in your name. Amen. Um, I told the first service that I woke up in a cold sweat this morning because I had a dream, and I've had them uh, the last three times I've preached. Speaking of peace, um, this is one of the least peaceful things in my life, is to prepare a sermon and give it to you. <laughs> but I keep doing it because I think it's what the Lord asked me to do. And so, um, but two times ago when I preached, I remember uh, my dream was just chaos, and then I woke up, and I was like, oh, good, I'm still on time for church, right? You know, like, you, you're dreaming of not having your sermon ready, or, uh, you know, you, your computer won't start, or, or whatever. I'm sure you have the same problem. Uh, but I were, uh, this morning, I had the same dream. I never dream, or I don't remember my dreams, but I remember these ones. <laughs> They're rough. Uh, Last night I had a dream that I, uh, I woke up, I had my coffee, I was looking over my sermon, and then I looked down at my watch after, you know, whatever you know, time had passed in my dream, and I went, oh, 9.39? How specific for a dream, right? 9.39, what? and that's first service, I think I looked down at my computer when I preached the first service, and it said 9.46. So I knew, 9.39, I'm still at home, I haven't got my computer, I gotta get in my car, I gotta get to the church, they're waiting for me. Right? Like, worship's almost done. Oh, I need to call Shelly. Tell her, stretch it out, man. Stretch it out. <laughs> I was freaking out. And then I woke up this morning, and I looked over at my alarm clock. It said 4.45 a.m. I was like, oh, you're a good God. <laughs> you are a good God. It's rough, baby. I'm telling you. So this is one of those things that doesn't bring me a whole lot of peace. But I told the Lord yesterday, I asked the Lord yesterday, I said, just give me a taste of it while I prepare a sermon on peace. <laughs> so I have something to say. Uh, but close your eyes for just a minute with me. Appease me for a second. Close your eyes. What are you stressed about right now? This time of year is a great time to ask this. But I want you to get that thing on your mind that brings you the greatest amount of stress in your life. What is it that weighs on you the most and captures your thoughts right at this moment? Or maybe just, let's make it broader, even in just this season of your life. Okay, you can open your eyes. I don't know that exact thing you're thinking of, but I, I bet I can get pretty close. I bet it's either, whatever you just thought of when you closed your eyes, it's either a person, hopefully it wasn't me. Uh, <laughs> So that was the last thing you saw before you closed your eyes. Uh, you never know. Uh, a person, a place, a pace, or a problem. And um, because I, I, think, I think when we, um, well, let's unpack them first. A, if you saw a person, uh, maybe you're an introvert, and maybe it's not just a person, maybe it's just all people. Every time you come into a public place, you're, you're at, you're, you're at you know, you're just stressed out and, and struggling with that. But, uh, you know, generally speaking, a, a person, a family member, uh, a friend, maybe you're at discord with them right now or, or whatnot, or, or you're thinking about inviting a bunch of people over to your house that you see once a year for a reason, <laughs> right? It's hard. By the way, the answer to that is go to their house and then you can leave when things get crazy. It's hard to ask crazy to leave once you've invited them to come over and stay. I'm not that old, but that's some wisdom I hold on to. <laughs> uh, 
um, you know, or maybe it's what people are saying on social media or, or whatever. Like people, the world would be great if it weren't for people, right? Like, oh, that's what we say. Uh, maybe it was a place that you thought of. Maybe it's home for you. Maybe it's going home for Christmas. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's uh, work. Maybe it's your position at work, and you think, if I just had that position, I could make this more peaceful for myself and for everybody else involved. Um, maybe, maybe it's just this particular season of your life. Um, maybe you thought of a pace, your schedule, all the demands on your schedule, um, all kinds of things. Uh, this time of year is very busy, busy, busy all the time. Uh, maybe you thought of a problem. Uh, financial difficulty, maybe uh, an illness in your own body or even worse in, in, in someone you love and you feel like you can't do anything about it. And all these are super difficult. But we often believe that I would have peace if I didn't have this certain person in my life or if they weren't the way they are all the time, incessantly. Uh, if I would have peace if I wasn't in this place, this, this job, this house, this apartment, this city. I would have peace if I wasn't living at this pace, if I could just slow down and catch my breath, if I could, didn't have so many demands on my schedule, if I didn't have four kids to take to four different sporting events and practices all at the same time at different locations. And honestly, you might have a lot more peace if you didn't have to do that. <laughs> but, uh, or maybe I, I, would just, I would have more peace if I didn't have all the problems that I have, if I had more money in the bank. Hello, somebody. If I had a little more money in the bank, if, I, if, if someone I loved very much wasn't dealing with an illness, um, uh, all very difficult. But what we have to realize is that whatever you identify as the source of your stress will determine... Uh, where you seek your peace. So in other words, whatever you say, this is what stresses me out, that will regulate and determine what you feel like you need to do in order to seek your peace, right? And so, um, if I, you know, it's like saying, if I just didn't have these people or this job or this schedule or this problem in my life, I would have peace, and so what we do is try to separate ourselves from certain things. Because if I were to ask you, like, okay, so that thing on your mind, what, that thing that came to your mind, what are you going to do about it? Often, for me, I will want to disengage. I will want to say, well, it causes me a lot of stress, and I don't like being around stress, and so I pull away. I'll pull away from people. I'll pull away from demands. I'll pull away from schedule. Uh, every time Scott asks me, you know, hey, are you ready to preach again? No, I need to learn the word. No, I'm just kidding. I love it. Uh, I love it. It's the best thing my whole life. Uh, so what we'll do is tend to separate ourselves, insulate ourselves from problems, rearrange our schedules, and we'll even move to different places so we don't feel the stress of that place or that season of life or whatever, thinking that that will give us peace. And when you close your eyes a minute ago, whatever you saw, we all have initial thoughts of how we, would, how we should deal with those things in life uh, so they won't be so stressful to us. Okay, I've made my point. If you thought of a person, uh, you know, and I, like I said, and I asked you uh, what you would do, you might think of how you could minimize the impact of that person on your life, right? Your phone starts buzzing on the table and you're like, oh, there they are again. Trying to, get, trying to figure out what my schedule is, trying to control me. And you're like, I'll get back to that person when I'm ready to get back to that person. They're on my schedule. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, we do that. It's weird when you say it out loud like that, but we do that. I do that. <laughs> There's someone so from the church again. No, I just teasing. I always pick up phone calls from the church. Uh, but uh, how can I minimize the effect of that relative or that person in my life, or how can I just cut them out altogether? Right? We're tempted to think that way. And, uh, and if you start thinking about that in all the areas of your life, financially and people and problems and places and all this kind of stuff, work, expectations in general, and people and the expectations somebody else has on your life, you start to rehearse and you start to do all this thing and it's anything but peaceful. And you're exhausted and you're no closer to peace than you were when you started. So the Christmas story comes along and challenges us in all the ways uh, we experience stress and angst and pressure. Christ is born to challenge us uh, as it relates to our expectation of peace. And uh, at this time, the Jewish people had a very, before, before all these prophecies and, well, no, actually, because of these prophecies, the Jewish people had a very particular idea of the kind of peace that the Messiah would bring. And Zechariah even painted a very clear picture of the kind of peace the Jewish people were believing that God would bring through the promised Messiah. And it features such promises and such expectations as mentioned in verse 74, where it says, this Messiah would rescue us from the hand of our enemies. Notice the word from. He would rescue us from the hand of our enemies. The expectation of peace for the Jewish people at this time is that God will deliver them from their enemies, from their circumstances, from their poverty, from their darkness and despair. He will, from their being marginalized as a people, he's going to come and he's going to bring peace by removing them from that situation or, or taking them out of that. So it's so surprising to me that in, um, uh, in verse 79, in the same prophecy, Zechariah, he makes this shift. He says, then the rising sun would shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. So it represents a shift uh, in the perspective that God doesn't always rescue from, but sometimes he visits me in my troubles. That's it. We took, to, we took the offering. We're all set, baby. You, you guys are free to go. <laughs> I'll keep talking so you feel like you got your money's worth. <laughs> For so many years, I believed the thief of my peace was other people or my schedule or this problem or whatever. And so I've tried to rearrange my life that I'd no longer experience all these demands or expectations, uh, stressful events, stressful people. And if God would just change them, and if everybody would just act normal this Christmas, I might be peaceful. But you know that's never going to happen. <laughs> I'll just set some of you free right now. That's never going to happen. And it's all just a facade. Uh, but the more I've reflected on this promise of peace that the Lord gives us, Isaiah 9-6 is beautiful. It says, His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And the Prince of Peace. Notice the prophet doesn't call him the Prince of Convenience. Doesn't call him the Prince of Ease. Doesn't call him the Prince of My Preferences. He calls him the Prince of Peace. Uh, because oftentimes when God promises me peace, I interpret that or I, I hear it in translation that God is going to give me um, he's going he's gonna to make everything line up with my preferences. In translation, God is promising me convenience 
or promising me comfort. Uh, but what I've discovered is that it's impossible to experience peace when you are ex expecting perfection. When you're expecting someday, not right now, right now I'm just in this season, it's just really stressful and it's just really hard, but someday it'll be better, right? When such and such happens. Uh, and if you're around uh, my age and you have young kids at home, if you're believing that someday, in the sweet by and by, that those children are going to stop fighting with each other and peace is just going to come rushing into your house and everybody's going to be feeling good and happy all at the same time, you better, give your, you better come to the altar right now and give your life to Jesus and live with him forever because that's how long you'll be waiting. <laughs> that is how long you're going to be waiting. Peace doesn't just come rushing and flooding in. It just, that's not real peace. When all my, because what we're doing is we're expecting perfection. We're expecting everything to be perfect. We are waiting for the perfect conditions. No, oh, it's in this next season, or as soon as I finish school is one I hear a lot, or as soon as my kids are grown. I'm a few years into that promise, or in that expectation. I just, and people keep saying, and I would say this to people ignorantly, and I'd say, oh, but when my kids are grown, it's gonna be, I'm just going to be free. And they're like, baby, that's when it just starts. Right? That's when it just starts. That angst when they start driving is always the first thing they start with. Whew. As soon as I retire, then I'll have peace. And we're expecting everything to be perfect. We're expecting perfection. But here's the whole message. I'll just give it to you all right now so you can choose to stay or not. <laughs> the enemy of your peace is not other people. It's not other places. It's not how fast life is or how crazy this world can be. The enemy of your peace is your incessant belief that someday or in the next season of your life you will be more peaceful if you could just get past where you're currently at, where you're currently struggling. But the lack of peace you feel doesn't actually come from a set of circumstances or a place in life. Uh, and the peace he brings is probably not going to look like the way you pictured it or what we've been expecting it's not always going to fit your preferences or line up with your expectation for other people. Hello. If you're going to live at peace, we've got to surrender our expectation of perfection. That someday it's all going to be great. It's all going to be the perfect circumstances. And that is so freeing. Uh, you no longer have to wait for all the conditions of your life to be perfect anymore for you to experience peace. Real, true, lasting, satisfying peace. Uh, so there you go. <laughs> uh, you are, uh, you're going to be so much freer this Christmas, I swear. Oh, I can't swear in church, but I mean, I promise. You're going to be so much, so much more free knowing that your peace isn't found in the people you just invited over to your house. I'm telling you, you've got to go to their house. Okay, that's the last time I'll mention it. Um, got to go to their house. Uh, you ever felt stuck? You got over to somebody? No, I won't go in. Uh, but, but knowing, you'll have peace knowing that your, your peace doesn't come from, from people or places or paces or, or, or the removal of a problem. It's not that he delivers me from it, but that he meets me in it. I need to show you something really quick. God said through Zechariah uh, at the end of that scripture, I believe it's in 79, it says, He will guide us with the light in the valley. He didn't promise to take us out of the valley, right? We've heard this before. But though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. In other words, I will be at peace. Why? For you are with me. 
It doesn't say he's going to take him out of the valley. Matter of fact, when Jesus, just like Shelley was talking, Jesus comes walking on the water with Peter, and the waves and the wind are crashing into the disciples' boat, right? And here comes Jesus. And, 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 and it says that the disciples swore they saw Patrick Swayze. It's a ghost, they said. They said, they said it's a ghost. And he says, fear not. First thing he says, fear not. Be a, be a, take heart, uh, for I am with you. Did you notice right then he didn't stop the wind and the waves from banging into their boat, from almost capsizing it? And then, of course, you know, he invites Peter out to walk on the water. But this kind of stuff happens all the time in Scripture, and it's still available for us today, that peace that he brings. And so, uh, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because he's with me. He didn't promise, he never promised any of us convenience. Matter of fact, well, and we'll talk about that. Jesus leads his disciples into some pretty rough situations. Uh, but it's not, and this isn't a what if kind of peace. Like I'll have peace, but what if this happens? Boy, I live my life on what ifs. I, I, I imagine some of you do too, living constantly in this fear of what if this happens? What if this happens to my children? What if this happens to my finances? What if this happens to my job? Oh, I'll have peace until then. But this kind of peace that God gives is an even if kind of peace. Even if it all comes crashing down tomorrow, I'm going to be at peace on the path he has set me on. Why? Because it's not that I'm not going to go through it sometimes, but, I'm, but this I know, I'm not going to go through it alone. I'm not going to go through it alone. Uh, anyhow. Uh, he, is, uh, he who is with me, uh, he who is in me, is greater than anything out here that's against me, against you. And so we can, we can take heart and be of good cheer, like he says, because he's with us. Um, but the path of peace is a strange one. Uh, you know the story. Jesus is born in Bethlehem and uh, in the form of a baby, which is, right, like the most imperfect form of a human being there is. And I know some of you disagree with me because I've heard the things you say about babies, especially back there in that section. Oh, they're just so, or people will come up over and look at your baby or look at pictures. Oh, they're just so precious. They're just so perfect. And all that does is convince me that you've never taken one home. <laughs> That's all that says to me. Because some of you in two days will get, oh, I don't mean to speak this out over you, <laughs> but it's going to happen. Uh, you're going to get that little baby ready for, and some of you remember doing this, some of you who are older, you remember getting that perfect little baby ready for Christmas Eve services, and you got that little baby in bow tie and shirt and little slacks and shoes that you just bought, and it's, it, he's all ready to go, and then you turn around to grab something, the, the diaper bag, and you turn back, and that baby, that perfect little baby has just spit up all over those perfect clothes and blown out that diaper halfway, all the way, got it in the back of its hair, <laughs> all over the place, right? It, all over a car seat. It's just the way it goes. It's just life. It's always going to happen. We, we haven't been freed from that curse yet, parents. Um, but that's just the way it goes. I, I'm going to tell you, I'm years out of diapers. My ch I'm years out of having children who are in diapers. <laughs> I didn't get that wrong the first service. <laughs> I'm years out of diapers. I'm years out of having children with diapers, and I swear I still wake up every once in a while in a cold sweat, and my wife goes, what's wrong? And I had a flashback of those days where the diaper's blowing out and everything. It's crazy. I'm having palpitations just thinking of it right now. But the Prince of Peace... <laughs> That's the scripture. 
came not as you would expect him to, not in perfection, not, to the perfect, not in the perfect set of circumstances, uh, but he comes in a way that challenges uh, our views of peace, especially when you fast forward 33 years in the life of Jesus where he's on a path that leads to a cross, and it gets you to wonder sometimes if there was anything peaceful about Jesus' 33 years on the planet, especially because it could possibly look like he was born in weakness and he died in weakness. But it's, I think it's only when you realize that it's his path, that's the way of his path that led us to, uh, led us to this place where our path could be peace. It's the way of his path. path um, let me say it the way I wrote it. That's the way of his path that allows your path to be one of peace. That's pretty much what I said. Uh, but our peace comes by Jesus and from Jesus. That's it. He's, our source of our, he's the source of our peace. Uh, if my peace comes from people, I know people. They change their mind and they can take it away. If my peace comes from situations, we all know situations can change and take it away. So I don't want a peace that comes from a, a promotion at work. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not saying I don't want a promotion at work. with a substantial pay increase. Is he looking? Is he paying attention? <laughs> Just teasing. Um, I don't want peace that comes from convenient circumstances. I want a peace that the world didn't give and that the world can't take away. That's the kind of peace we need. And if you think about it, what is in your life right now that stands in the way of your peace? What is it right now in your life that stands in the way of you being at peace? I'll tell you, I'll give you a secret. If it's Jesus plus anything, it's wrong. If it's Jesus plus insulating yourself from your problems, it's wrong. If it's Jesus plus avoiding that person, it's wrong. It's a temporary fix. Uh, Whatever you're trying to add to the perfect work of Jesus, it's wrong. It's going, to be, <clears throat> it's going to be in the way because peace is a product of his presence. That's the only way peace comes. Everything else is a facade. It's false. It's, it's not real, and it's never, never going to last. Peace is a product of his presence. Uh, Isaiah and Micah were, are like the prominent uh, prophets who, who prophesied about the coming of the Messiah, the Christmas story, and all that kind of stuff. And Micah, they lived at the same time. Uh, Micah writes in his prophecy, in chapter 5, excuse me, but you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me uh, one who uh, will rule over Israel, who origins are from, are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach the ends of the earth, and he will be our peace. He will be our peace. You know, this, I've had a few situations in my life where that is... There's nothing truer than that statement right there. I remember eight years ago when my, uh, nine years ago when my dad was diagnosed with cancer. He died eight years ago. Um, 
he, I went down, he was just about ready to start chemo, and, and the, he had lung cancer, and it had spread everywhere, and I was at my brother's house, I hadn't even gone over to see my dad, I had eight hours drive just to go see him, and I was just rehearsing and thinking of what, what would we talk about besides the cancer, you know, and then I remember being at my brother's house, and I was in the spare room, and I was just, I was anything but peaceful, I was just, my heart was just pounding out of my chest, and I thought, God, you got to give me some peace, like I just, I need you to just come and, and sit with me in this moment, and I'll tell you what, he came and he sat with me in that moment. I don't know how else to describe it to you except to say that God is true to his word. He's our ever-present help in time of need. And we can hold him to that in those moments. I remember I fell asleep right then and I woke up. I thought I'd been asleep for like eight hours or something. I felt so good for a moment, of course, until I started thinking about it again. Uh, but I looked down at my watch. It had been 15 minutes. 15 minutes. So don't tell me that the Lord doesn't bring peace. Because I was anything but peaceful. Uh, some of us uh, maybe believe that our peace is missing because we're missing pieces. Because we're missing pieces in our lives. And now I'm, I'm missing peace because all I can see are the pieces that are missing. And now I have a friend uh, a few years ago who was going through a divorce. And uh, all he could see in the midst of his puzzle being shook up all of a sudden. And pieces flying everywhere were the, the gaping holes of his life and the missing pieces. And I know, like, it's hard to find peace in those moments when all you can see are the gaping holes. I've been there. But so often, instead of trusting God to deal with the brokenness, we will grab any piece that looks like it might possibly fit and we'll jam it into place and we'll say, all right. And it's not perfect, so you still have leakage, but at least you're not, at least it's not gaping anymore, right? You've got a distraction. You've got a little, a little something. And my friend shortly... After his wife left, a few months, uh, he, in, he met someone, and then he invited that lady to come live in his home. And, uh, and then he called me in a panic one day and said, hey, can we meet? And he said, Chad, I invited somebody to come live in my home. I went, oh, baby. I said, yeah? And he says, and she's not the right piece. He didn't say it like that. He goes, the newness wore off, right? The honeymoon's over, baby. And she's not the right piece. And how many of you know, how many of you can imagine that when you have the wrong piece in the wrong, or right piece, or wrong piece in the wrong place, it's, it's a lot more difficult to take that piece and to just remove them once you've moved them into your life and into your house. And so he was like, what should I do? I said, now it's like you have a really hard decision to make. Uh, you're, you're pretty young. That's a long time to live with that decision. And, uh, because, and it's really hard when you recognize now that they're the wrong piece, but they still believe they're the right piece. <laughs> Hello, somebody. <laughs> it's messy. But we are so tempted when we find ourselves in a moment where we feel like we're bleeding out to hurry up and to patch something together um, just to stop the bleeding. And sometimes we'll fill that hole with a few drinks, with somebody new, just a smattering of ways um, to, to try to regain peace in our lives. But peace doesn't come from patching. And it doesn't come with replacing pieces. It comes from his presence and his presence alone. He will be our peace, Micah says. And you don't need to look for all the right pieces because they will never be the right pieces without Jesus. Never. But you'll spend a lot of time looking for all the right pieces. In those moments, just hang tight. When you feel like you're bleeding out, just hang tight. And trust Jesus. I know that sounds so cliche. I get it. 
because I've been in those moments, and if somebody ever came to me and told me that, so I'm going to try to tell you that now while you're not in that moment, so maybe the Holy Spirit will bring this to you if and when you ever get back into those moments or whatever, or find yourself in one of those moments. Just hang tight and trust and watch Jesus put your puzzle back together. There's nothing like it. Nothing like it. I'm telling you, I am a proponent of putting a lot of pieces in myself and doing it my way and trying to say just the right thing that this might work out or this thing might change or this situation might get better and I might relieve myself of all this stress that I feel. But it's just, it's just not true and it's never going to help. Trust Jesus to put it back together. He knows what he's doing and he's not emotionally driven. Um, I wish we could learn this any other way a different way, but for some reason, difficulties and challenges in our lives and problems have a way of moving us into the presence of Jesus like no other. So peace comes from trust in Jesus, and trust in Jesus comes from, from uh, or, or, or trust in Jesus is never built in safety. I wish it was. I've asked the Lord. I say, Lord, I need to trust you with this. Can we do this in a peaceful time? <laughs> Can we do this in a peaceful way that I would trust you with this thing that I... I clearly don't trust you with. Can you, can we make that happen? I just don't think it happens unless you have the opportunity to trust the Lord in something that's difficult and challenging. Um, the Holy Spirit comes to comfort us when we're in difficulty. Not, he doesn't come to comfort the comfortable. That's just not the way he works. And uh, Jesus led his disciples, though, into situations all the time that were unsafe. Like you look at um, when he calmed the sea, the other calming of the sea. Uh, where he's preaching to us from a pillow, right? He's asleep on a pillow in the back of a boat in the middle of a storm. And one scholar says that the best thing to be at peace that those disciples should have done was found 12 more pillows and laid down next to Jesus. <laughs> I think that's great. Um, or or when, uh, how about when Jesus uh, leads his followers to the place out in the wilderness where he's teaching to them and then they become famished right? He kept them there too long, and now they're starving, and the miracle then comes. He, he produces a miracle uh, to where he feeds the 5,000 men, women, and children and with, with five fish and two loaves, or two, you know, a few loaves, a few fish. <laughs> um, but see, here's the, here's the cool thing. Without a storm, there is no calm. And without famine or without hunger, there was no miracle, and there will always be storms, and there will always be hunger. We're not going to change that. So what's the answer? There will always be storms and hunger. It's the world we live in. Here's what I think the answer is. Uh, you remember the story of Lazarus. Oh, story of Lazarus is so good. Uh, Lazarus dies, and his, and his sister, Martha, goes to meet Jesus. And she says, Jesus, if only you would have been here a few days ago, you could have saved my brother. You could have, you could have healed Lazarus from his sickness. And, but now it's like, now that he's dead, well, it's over. You know, good job, Jesus. But uh, Jesus, in this moment, I love this, shows Martha something about himself that she didn't see before. Because we come to find out that Jesus' philosophy is, it's over when I say it's over. Right, And he calls the Lazarus. Lazarus comes out of the tomb, wrapped in toilet paper, but comes out all the same. And he says, uh, and, and, and all of a sudden, when he walks out, wrapped in toilet paper, all, uh, all Martha realizes something 
uh, about Jesus that she had not known before until she had been set up in the perfect circumstance for her to receive what he's about to show her. And so, in other words, Martha had a mindset that, oh, if only you could have healed my brother when he was sick, why would he have to do that when it's in Jesus? He has the power to raise Lazarus from the dead, but Martha didn't know that. He had to reveal that to her. I'm telling you, I didn't know a lot of things about Jesus uh, until, until you know I had a dad that died from cancer, or I had a very sick child, or I walked through a divorce of my own, and I sat in some of the darkest, painful moments of my life, and I called out to the Lord, and I leaned into him, and I watched him bring his peace into that moment and just fill me with peace. My heart and my mind being at peace. And you know what? In some of those moments, it would last like 15 minutes. Last. And then I move on and I do something else and then I start to get anxious again. And then I get back into his presence. I start talking to him some more. Oh, and it lasts about another 15 minutes. Isn't that like Jesus to keep you coming back, keep you in his presence, to keep providing that peace? It's just, it's just what he does. And now, since I've walked through those things, since you have been through the things you have been through, I'm telling you, I am convinced of his power and his desire to heal broken things and to put back and to restore and to, and to make all things new. You cannot unconvince me of that because I've seen it with my own eyes. I have felt it with my own hands. I have tasted it. You know what I'm saying? I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good in those moments when I was anything but peaceful and the Lord did something that was contrary to my circumstances. And it was actually peace that surpassed all understanding. I shouldn't have felt that way. I shouldn't have been at peace. My life was falling apart. But yet, that's what he does. And you can hold him to the same. That's, he's true to his word. And now we can't, and I can't be unconvinced of his passion to heal and to redeem lost dreams and lost time and to restore peace where it has been lost. Um, somebody showed me this this year. Uh, remember the Charlie Brown Christmas special? How could you not? Like it's 50, your kids know it, you know it, your parents know it, your grandparents know it. It's been around for over 50 years and it's timeless. But particularly the moment where Charlie Brown, they're putting on the recital, right? And Charlie Brown's like, oh no, you know, like does any, nobody knows the true meaning of Christmas. He says, does anybody know the true meaning of Christmas? And Lioness pipes up. Lioness, by the way, is the one who holds the blanket. You never see him in the Peanuts cartoons without his blanket, without his security blanket. The only thing in this world that makes him feel safe. And in the moment when he steps up and starts telling the Christmas story from that stage, uh, he talks about Luke 2 where the angel comes to the shepherds and all that kind of stuff. As soon as he says, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Right then, Lioness drops his blanket. I love it. Drops his blanket and boldly declares that peace, the peace that God made available to the people of this one particular Christmas and for all time. Let's watch. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David 
a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Not bad. Charles Schultz is good. So how do we how do we get peace? How do we receive peace in those moments that are too much for us? I remember um, quite a few years ago, Scott. Um, I was watching some stuff here at the church and unfold, and I didn't even ask him for permission, but I'm going to keep it vague. Um, and he, I remember he was walking through some stuff that he had to take care of, and I said, "What are you going to do? How are you going to deal with that?" And he goes whatever the Lord helps me to do. It, like, I, I don't know if he was at perfect peace. It sure felt like it was. I was like, you need to get worked up about this. <laughs> He's like, I'll do whatever the Lord helps me to do. I'm telling you, that broke something in me right then in that moment. And I, I'm not really sure how to respond to it, but that's the way I want to live my life. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'll do what the Lord helps me to do. Whew. Everything... So what do we do to experience peace? We got to walk in it. You can walk in it. Everything that needs to be done for you to receive or experience peace in your life, Jesus has already done for you. It's already been done. His gospel is peace. And so when he went to the cross and, and, and purchased you back, right, and, and paid the full penalty uh, for our sins on the cross and, and all that, uh, he, his gospel is peace. That's the reason he came, was to bring us peace. One of the reasons. And we don't have to wait for it. We get to walk into it. So how do you do that? One of my favorite verses in all of scripture, Philippians 4, 6 through 7, it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. It's so good. So what was that thing you pictured when we, clo when we closed our eyes at the very beginning? Whatever that thing is, I'm telling you, you can bring it to him. Words are so, I feel like words just don't carry the weight of what I want to convey. But I'm going to tell you, he's true to his word, so you'll see. Bring that thing to him. Tell him what you need. Thank him for all he's done. And just watch as the peace of God comes into your heart and into your mind in the middle of your circumstance. Not when it's over, but in the middle of your circumstance and fills you with peace that you just can't understand. It is so good. That's all I have for you. Jesus, we want that kind of peace, Lord. We need that kind of peace. Father, I thank you that you are so good that you have provided a way for us, Lord God, to live at peace. Uh, that abundant life that you promised. Lord, we, we can't live abundantly when we're stressed out and angstful all the time and, uh, and, and sweating out that next big thing or, or whatever. Lord, let us live in the, um, oh, what is it, in the, in the confidence Lord, that you've got it taken care of, that you're dealing with that thing. You're dealing with that child who's kind of gone by the wayside, kind of lost, doing their own thing. Lord, we want them back so bad. 
but Lord, at the end of the day, I trust you with them. Lord, I'm, I worry about my children all the time, but at the end of the day, you didn't give me them to worry about them. You gave me them so that I could tell them about you. Lord God, entrust you with them and keep pointing them back to you. Lord, this, whatever we have, an illness in our life, Lord, you are the healer and we believe you for healing, Lord God. And we're going to keep bringing it back to you. We're going to keep returning it to sender, Lord, and, and say, Lord, the, this is beyond me. I, I, can't, I can't do this. But what I do need in this moment, I, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know if you're going to heal me. I don't know if you're going to fix this situation. I don't know if you're going to put more money in my bank account. But right now in this moment, I trust you to do whatever you need to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just wait here. I'm going to sit in your presence and I'm going to let the peace which surpasses all understanding fill my heart and mind and I'll wait. I'll wait on you. Jesus, that's where we need to be. We love you so much. We thank you for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. If we can pray for you this morning, we would love to. If you Maybe you're a little...